so um, what I'd like to spend a bit of time doing this morning um, is to explore this uh, unique day, the significant day, which is a bit camouflaged, to be honest, and that is the day of Tubav. Um, it's a kind of uh, it's a kind of from Valentine's Day a scenario, which uh, which I just uh, put on the screen. Um, the source for this particular date, the fifteenth of Av. So uh, you know, we we today are what are we? The thirteenth of Av. Um, I think that's uh, we the thirteenth. Um, yeah, so just trying to see, yeah, we the thirteenth of Av today. So this concept of Tuba Av, the fifteenth of Av, being uh, special within the Jewish calendar, um, the the significance is somewhat unclear as to why it is such a an interesting day or date that um, that captures our imagination a little. So I thought we'd try and have a look at some of the sources from the the Gemara as to um, as to why this particular day or date is uh, is unique. So what we're looking at on the screen is. Uh, a photocopy here from uh, the Gemara Tanit, Masechet Tanit, discusses all the fast days. Um, and to end off the whole tractate on a positive note, uh, we have a description of two uh, very special days. One is well known to us, that of Yom Kippur. And then it's compared to the 15th of Av, which is up and coming in two days' time. So if you follow with me, he has the translated version of the actual Gemara. So Amar Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel said, "Lo ayu yamim tovim li Israel. Israel had no days as festive as Chamisha Asar ba'av u'yom Kippurim, as the fifteenth of Av and uh, and Yom Kippur." So the Gemara wants to know uh, how do we understand the nature of this of this of these unique days. So Bishlema Yom Kippurim, we understand well. Yom Kippur, how specifically special that is. Mishum de'it bay slichau mechila. That's a day of forgiveness and pardon for the Jewish people from Hashem. Uh, it also was a day which represents the forgiveness of Hashem for the people of Israel in their, uh, with, with regard to the infidelity of the golden calf. It's a yom she'nitnubo luchot ha'achronot. Also, because it was the day which the second tablets of the Ten Commandments were given, so Yom Kippur becomes the day of atonement, as we call it, um, the day of, of of pardon, forgiveness from Hashem to us. Um, as we well know, we uh, we got uh, we got the message on Yom Kippur that we uh, incorporate into our davening, Salachti Kidvarecha. Hashem has uh, told Moshe Rabbeinu that he's forgiven the people of Israel as he's uh, asked. And we move on uh, in our relationship with Hashem from, uh, from Yom Kippur. Um, and part of the significance of that relationship is, is cemented in this idea of the, a second set of tablets being given to Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's what happens on Yom Kippur. And, for, and forevermore, uh, we uh, celebrate Yom Kippur as this day of, of uh, mechila, forgiveness and pardon. So it's understandable that the nature of Yom Kippur is a, a unique day for the people of Israel, and um, but this, but Tuba Av is uh, 
is, is less well known. So the Gemara asks, what, what, what is this? What's the significance of the 15th of Av that it should be observed as a festive day? So on, answers the Gemara, Amar Shmuel, Rabbi Huda said in the name of Shmuel, Yom Shehutra Shvatim This was the day that the tribes were permitted to uh, intermarry. Now, what, what was this all about? So let's have a look over here. Um, yeah, you can see in the footnotes a little bit tiny, but um, let's have a look here. See if we can. Okay, so the footnotes just tell us that um, the daughters of Tzlovchad had inquired of Moshe Rabbeinu whether a daughter may inherit her father's property if she has no brothers, uh, Moshe then asked Hashem, and his affirmative reply included in those various verses, which enjoined such a woman from marrying into a, another tribe. So um, this was an interesting point of inheriting of uh, inheriting property. At this point in time, we get an understanding that uh, people people weren't uh, able to marry from one tribe into the other. Uh, they were. They found the shidduchim within the tribe. Um, what was the issue over here? Anyhow, never. We'll just skip a little bit. Um, the Gemara tells us that this idea of only marrying into one's tribe, uh, this law, basically only applies to this generation. Um, yeah, the generation of the daughters of Tzlovchad. And they um, and, and and this particular idea that was clear to everybody that they could marry into other tribes, um, that was that was given over on the fifteenth of Av. So the fifteenth of Av sort of became already a day connected with making shiduchim, um, you know, on a broad scale from quite early on in the piece. So the Gemara offers another explanation of this festive day of the fifteenth of Av. So, Amar um, Yosef, Amar Nachman, Yom Shutar Shavit Binyamin Kahal. The fifteenth of Av was the day that the tribe of Binyamin was permitted to marry into the congregation of Israel. Now, this is a a, a very unfortunate uh, period in history. Um, see here some of the notes. Uh, you might remember this from when we discussed it in Tanakh, but. Um, there's an incident involving the, it's a terrible incident, the, the murder of a uh, Pilegesh Pegiva. Uh, the Jews, uh, the tribe of Benjamin, essentially, uh, there was a gang who assaulted this woman and they, uh, and they murdered her. Um, as a result of this uh, terrible incident, the Jews all swore not to give their daughters in marriage to members of the tribe of Binyamin. Um, and for many, many years, this took place. But eventually, the decree was rescinded. Uh, Binyamin took responsibility. And uh, on one particular 15th of Av of, this year, of, of that year, it was ruled that the oath-takers had meant to bind only themselves, but that the next generation was free to betroth their daughters to whomever they wished. So again, another scenario um, talking about this day of Tuba Av, having something to do with expanding 
uh, the ability to marry outside one's tribe. Okay? Believe it or not, the Gemara gives a third explanation. It's actually going to end up being uh, six different explanations over here. But uh, important to understand how this day came to be somewhat significant. So, yeah. Amar Barachana, Amar Yochanan, Yom Shekanubo Maitei Midbar. The 15th of Av was the day upon which those destined to die in the wilderness uh, finished dying. Um, there was this decree against Amisrael from after the, 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 the spies that that whole entire generation would uh, die out in the desert. And um, let's have a look at the footnote over here. Yeah. So after the spies returned from the journey to Eretz Israel and discouraged the people from attempting to enter the land, Hashem swore that all men between the age of 20 and 60 would die by the time they reached 60. Every year, each man in that age group dug a grave on the eve of Tishabav and lay down to sleep in it. The next morning, an announcement was made that the living separate themselves from the dead. Quite a grim scenario, yeah? All those who had survived the night would rise and leave their graves. And this grim scenario recurred year after year. However, when the announcement was made in the 40th year, everyone rose, thus arousing the suspicion that they had erred in calculating the date of Tishabav. Hence, they returned to their graves and slept there every night until the 15th of the month. The appearance of a full moon convinced them that indeed Tishabav had passed and the decree had expired. For that reason, they celebrated the 15th of Av in that year as a festive day with feasting and drinking. And although Hashem had announced that the decree would terminate after 40 years, each year corresponding to each day, the spies toured the land. Um, nevertheless, Hashem forgave the Jews in the last year of their sojourn in the desert. And those destined to die in that year survived uh, to Shabbat. So that is, um, so that's the third reason as to why um, some, the 15th of Av became somewhat of a significant date. It's interesting how camouflaged it is, meaning that nothing happened other than a, uh, a psychological, emotional uh, relief that, uh, that the people of Israel who were calculating their particular demise in the desert realized that Hashem had forgiven them already on the Tisha B'av. They just were confounded by it because... Um, they were expecting that last Tishabov to be as, as severe as the others. So that they just, they just weren't sure from a calendar point of view what date in the month they were on. And uh, when the full moon appears, well, you know, it's not Tishabov. It's a full moon. It can only be on the 15th of the month. So when they see the full moon, they realize, ah, we were forgiven on Tishabov. So nothing really happened on the 15th, according to this, but more than just a very big psychological psychological relief, uh, which um, which is also worth a lot. I mean, the relief of stress often is uh, is under underestimated. Anyway, yeah, the whole people, the whole of the Amisrael in the desert felt absolute relief. So that's the story of uh, or the third reason of the fifteenth of Av. Let me uh, yeah, let's go through here. And here we get a, a fourth explanation. So let's just quickly uh, review here. We've done three explanations of what happened on the 15th of Av chronologically from the time of Amisrael in the desert and through Tanakh. 
So um, there were two uh, there were two points that were made first by the Gemara um, to do with to do with expanding the permission for the people of Israel to marry a outside their tribes, and then b later on in history when the tribe of Binyamin got into trouble and there was this harem on them, this excommunication on on this level of marriage that was rescinded as well. And then uh, I guess chronologically you might even say that uh, this third reason might have been first, that um, they realized that that last generation would uh, had, had, had gotten a reprieve, they didn't die on the Tishabov prior and they were allowed into Israel. So those are the first three reasons given. A fourth explanation says the Gemara, Ula Amar, Yom Shebitel Hoshea Ben Eila Prosdiot. Okay, so Prosdiot is translated as gods or centuries. And this, uh, the story here in Tanakh is as follows that. Um, you might remember some of this from our discussions on the on the Tanakh episode um, after the death of Shlomo Amelech. So the kingdom of Israel, as you know, splits into two: the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. Uh, the northern kingdom is ruled by Yeravam ben Nevat. Um, that is Shlomo Amelech's challenger. Uh, he ultimately um, takes over the north. And his uh, contemporary Shlomo Melech's son, who should have inherited the kingship over the whole of Israel, Rechavam, he only gets the southern kingdom. Anyway, Yeravam sets himself up there, and uh, he, um, he, can, he, he can't get past this jealousy of the prominence that the southern kingdom of Israel has in, uh, in, its, in the Beit HaMikdash, in the original line of kings, King David's house, etc., um, anyway, so in his uh, in his jealousy and and um, and and, uh, and motivation for power, he essentially sets up a roadblock manned by guards, not allowing people that live in the north of the country to come down to Jerusalem, so to to the Beit Hamikdash. By coming, if you would have let everybody go down to the Beit Hamikdash, he figured that uh, you know he would lose prominence. And he wanted to sort of replace the Beit HaMikdash of uh, Yerushalayim with his own temple and set up his own, uh, his own base of worship. So that's what happened over here. So um, Yeravam's, Yeravam set up this roadblock, not allowing people to go down, you know, from the north to Yerushalayim to prevent Jews from ascending to the Holy Temple on the Chagim. Now, the Soshea bin Eila, let's see here, he, he took down these blocks, um, and I wonder if they, they missed out something in the footnote there. Um, yeah, so somehow, interestingly enough, that even though the Soshea bin Eila, you see in the footnotes here, wasn't a righteous man at all, but um, he essentially allowed pilgrims atten- attempting to reach the Beit Hamikdash an opportunity to go there. And that particular 
um, act of, of removing the guards and the roadblocks and giving us freedom to go and dive in wherever we wanted to happened on the 15th of Av. Okay, here's another reason. Number five. Matna Amar Oh, many, many years later now, we, uh, we jumped to, um, to the destruction of the temple already and the aftermath. Uh, this is the second temple we're talking about. Um, there was this famous fortress, as you know, today it's a huge city called Beitar. Um, it was one of the, it's the last stand against the Romans. Uh, unfortunately, Hashem decided that we weren't worthy of redemption and it was a big slaughter there. And there were thousands upon thousands of corpses, um, you know, in, on the streets. Hashem performed a miracle that they didn't decompose. And uh, the decree that the Romans placed against us was the inability to go and bury the, the, de- the dead of Beitar. And on the 15th of Av in that year, um, yeah, you see the notes. Uh, the corpses of those Jews slain during the Roman conquest of the city of Beitar had lain exposed throughout the reign of Hadrian, who obstructed their burial. Miraculously, the bodies did not compose. And so on this day, on the 15th of Av, um, permission was given, the decree was rescinded, and um, we could go and bury, bury our, uh, our, our, our dead. Um, and that is, the, that is the reason over here that um, that this day, the 15th of Av, became something uh, unique because it's on that day that it happened. And um, to mark that particular occasion, the Rabbonim incorporated into our benching this Brocha Hatova Meitiv. Um, Hatov, referring to Hashem, who was good to us, that miraculously the bodies do not decay, Vameitiv. Uh, and the one who confers good signifies that Hashem ultimately ordained that the bodies be afforded burial. Again, that was another significant um, episode in the nature of uh, of the 15th of, of, of Av. Okay, then finally, sixth reason, Rabbi Rav Yosef, the Amri Tarvayu, both Rabbi and Rav Yosef offer the following, that on the 15th of Av was the day that they stopped cutting down trees for the altar, the Mizbeach, in, uh, in the Beit HaMikdash. Um, what was the, what's the problem? Why did they stop on the 15th of Av uh, bringing wood, wood and fuel for the Beit HaMikdash, for the Mizbeach? Because from the 15th of Av onwards, Tashash kocha shel chama, the sun's strength wanes. And um, interestingly enough, the fact that the sun loses some of its strength and isn't as hot, I wonder if this is uh, even today in Israel, um, essentially the wood that they're cutting down from trees in order to keep the fire going in the Beit Hamikdash uh, didn't dry out efficient, uh, efficiently. Um, and therefore, it could be it would smoke a lot. It just wouldn't be wouldn't be suitable to use anymore. So they cut down as many trees and stored as much wood as they could from before the fifteenth of Av. 
Let's see what it says here in the notes. Got to give Art Scroll some uh, credit here. Yeah, they say the moist wood of a newly felled tree is an inviting habitat for worms. And you can't then bring these worms onto the, onto the altar, onto the Mizbah. Okay, so it wasn't so much like I was saying that it would smoke uh, or not be effective, but you've got this problem of the worms inside here. Okay, so so one so that's that's something again. This is a really interesting cryptic reason as to why the fifteenth of Av is special because uh, it doesn't even sound like it's positive. You know, they, they aren't able to bring fuel anymore to uh, yeah to the to the Mizbeach, to the Beit Hamikdash. All right, so that's um, so that's the those are the six reasons. That that the tuba became uh, became somewhat of a date to recall in in Jewish history. Now, um, yeah, something interesting. The Mishnah then tells us that as a result of tuba having a connection to the concept of marriage and expanding who could marry whom, so then the first two reasons that we that we brought. Um, something interesting happens over here and that is that there's a there's a kind of a um there's a kind of a, a minag that that um that develops um that uh, all of a sudden as i mentioned in the beginning uh since there was something to do with marriage already uh, celebrated on the 15th of av in the desert um and then later in tanakh so when it comes now to uh to the times of the Talmud, so yeah, they they um, they uh, they create this kind of a custom um, of uh, of making it a Valentine's Day, where we're 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 both uh, on uh, Yom Kippur and the fifteenth of Av, we put a lot of effort into uh, you know into into Shiduchim over here, and so. Um, this is what the Gemara tells us here as follows. The, the days of the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur, both of them are such happy days. Why? So, yeah, the Mishnah tells us that we would, we would motivate Shiduchim, um, make, make couples um, more than any other time during the year. And then a whole process going on, going on over here uh, on how, on how this, uh, this thing works. So what does the Gemara say? The Gemara says like this. The rabbis taught that all of the girls, all of the girls who were looking for Shiduchim, they would all dress in, in, in white clothes. And um, no one should, they try to make it as equal as possible that people wouldn't just, um, they wouldn't just look for wealth. They would look beyond uh, the physical, and and in order to not embarrass people who never had fancy clothes, so everybody had a dress in white, and people would borrow clothes from from each other. So even even the king's daughter would borrow a white garment from the queen Gadol's daughter. So even people of high rank, they would they would borrow from each other, and gives you a whole hierarchy of who would borrow from who. Um, but in the end of the day, this is the equality that was 
created by this, that um, the reason why everyone is borrowing from each other and wearing white is you know, that a poor person would not feel uh, embarrassed. So that is the that is the reason, you know, what, what you know that this happened over here. So you can imagine this. Um, you, you read about this in in, in novels that, uh, you know, when they especially when they were, the, you know, in the, the novels that I've read, or the history books that describe what it was like to find Shiduchim in the you know in America when it was first established, or any kind of country where society maybe even yeah in Australia, you know, you have the guys coming out first and trying to tame the wilderness. And then um, they want to get married. So they have a whole, who knows, they, they, they send a message back to Europe, wherever they came from saying, you know, send, send uh, people who want to look to find a prospective mate in, uh, in Australia, or in America, whatever it is. And all these girls would come and they would have a, you know, they'd have some sort of ceremony where the girls would parade and people would try and choose each other. That was like what you read about in the early days of how uh, America was settled and families were built. Well, Lahavdil, in uh, all those years going back, it wasn't just uh, in primitive societies, but even in, in at the time of our uh, of, of living in Israel in the early in the early years, this was an amazing opportunity to make shiduchim. So, um, so this is uh, this is really what was happening over here. That on Tubav you had this whole kind of this whole ceremony of trying to make Shiduchim. And the same thing was true on, on, on Yom Kippur. So um, one for reflects on that a little bit and sees how unique Yom Kippur is, um, how uniquely different, should I say, that Yom Kippur in the days of old, in the times of the Mishnah and the Gemara, Yom Kippur would be a, a day where it would be a happy day where, where Shiduchim were made. Now, they must have davened a lot shorter than us. I mean, gee, uh, they, you got you got to have time now to make shiduchim, to discuss, to try and, you know, uh, you got to. It's like when, when they do this, you know, they're not exactly what they're doing it between the break between Musaf and Mincha, you know. Where, where but it must be that the davening was shorter, and there was. Can you imagine Yom Kippur was like really focused on, on making shiduchim. Um, Yom Kippur, I guess, was a, a unique day in the sense that, you know, you're not going to look your best because you haven't eaten you know you haven't you know there's no makeup and all stuff physical is really sidelined then number two you've got uh you know you're all dressed in white and um people are trying to motivate uh, to try and look deeper than skin deep and that's what and that's what uh and that's what would happen and so it's probably why, when you think about it, that this custom developed on two days of the year to make Shiduchim, Yom Kippur and the 15th of Av, it probably helps explain why on the laning, the Torah reading of Yom Kippur afternoon, we read something that seems to have nothing to do with Yom Kippur. And it's all about the, the different prohibitions or who is kosher in the world of, uh, in the world of marriage. You know, which relationships are kosher? Who can marry whom? Um, that's read about in, uh, you know, on, in the Torah reading of uh, of Yom Kippur Mincha, probably because of this minak that, like, in those days, they're reading something that's actually very relevant to them. Uh, let's go over all the laws about, you know, who can marry whom, and uh, because that was really was happening in 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 front of them. And so, okay, fine. 
this is this is the intertwining of the two days of uh, of Yom Kippur and 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 Tubav. Okay, so uh, this is this is the basic story of it. Okay, so um, now we need to just ask ourselves a uh, you know to try and give ourselves a bit of an understanding. Uh, if any, can we sort of find a common thread that um, that runs through this particular these particular sets of reasons? That that last reason also needs explanation because the last reason was um, was, was somehow not even uh, it wasn't even something that was um, that was that special. I mean, what the, you couldn't bring or they stopped bringing uh, wood to the Beit Hamikdash. Because it was slightly moist and becoming, uh, you know, it could be wormy. Uh, that that was. What does that What does that really mean for us? So, um, I remember many years ago when I was in yeshiva, um, one of the, one of the rabbonim that I was that I was um, very friendly with, he gave a shir. His name was of Yair Khan. He's still there. He's one of the main rabbonim today in the yeshiva. So, um, he gave a fantastic shir on this. And I'll just share the insight that uh, I learned from him all those years ago. So um, essentially, uh, he, he taught us as follows. He said that when one, con when one contemplates the idea of, of Tishabov and how it mourns destruction, so there's a, a, a sort of a process that we go through. From the three weeks, we start off... Um, building up the, the level of restrictions of uh, of the good in our world you know so we you know we don't listen to music and we don't have weddings and we don't have haircuts and as you know we 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 work as if we like in, in in mourning for our parents in the in the middle of the 12 months and then it ramps up to to a shloshim during the nine days uh, we add on to onto the customs of mourning you know besides the limiting in the showering and wearing nice clean clothes. We add on to that uh, not eating meat, drinking wine, because the the, the Mizbayach and the Beit Amidash had that. Um, and so ultimately there's, you know, we ramp, we, we, we ramp, ramp up our, our, our uh, observances and customs, commemorating the nature of the, of the destruction. Then comes Tishabav, you know, we hit, the, we hit the worst day in the year and uh, not leading in today is, uh, is when we really mourn as much as we can. From midday on Tisha B'Av onwards, it's, it's almost as if we hit the peak and now it's time to start uh, uh, recovering, if you will. You know, uh, and it, it's sort of like we look now, we look now to swap themes. Uh, and um, what happens is, is that the theme of mourning, which has been with us getting greater and greater and greater in the lead up to Tisha B'Av, now, sort of metamorphoses into a theme of repentance, of tshuva. And uh, already on Tisha B'Av in the morning, you know, midday, we are able to now, we start slowly sitting on proper chairs and we dive in Mincha and we the Torah reading we read for Mincha is uh, very similar, is the same as what we read for all other fast days. And all other fast days, really the main theme is uh, the call to repent, the call to introspection. And so um, it's a tshuva repentance theme that sort of takes over. It's part of the kind of repair um, and recover from the, from the destruction and from the mourning. 
that's what starts to happen. So like we hit the, it's like a tipping point to come midday on Tisha B'Av. And then as the fast draws to a close, you know, so we recover more and more. Uh, we, we exit out of this heavy morning um, stage and we, we still linger on until the midday of the 10th of Av. Uh, and then from the 10th of Av on, we, um, we sort of recover a little bit more. And then all the morning stops and we start building towards, uh, you know, the, the so-called rebuilding of our morale and, um, and, and, um, and what happens as a society for Am Yisrael. You can have weddings again, etc. So there's this kind of an idea that the Avelut, the morning, turns to tshuva, to repentance. Um, but life start, should get back to normal. And in this kind of period of time, between uh, Tisha B'Av and Tuba'av, there's there's certain significant signs that Hashem sends from Shemayim um, to encourage us not to lose hope, that even though we've been through a lot, He has an opportunity to start feeling that Hashem hasn't uh, totally rejected us. He hasn't, uh, you know, and Chas uh, you know, like the Christians want to claim, or, or all many religions want to claim, that Hashem has replaced us, God forbid. So with all the, with all the Torahs that we commemorate on Tisha B'Av, what we need to do is motivate ourselves to live again and to, to function, to thrive, to rebuild, to continue. And, um, and, and Tuba'av represents a kind of a, uh, you know, injection of enthusiasm into, into, into the people as a whole. And uh, each, one of these, each one of these particular incidences that, uh, that, that take place on Tuba'av um, you know, should should contribute to this, uh, you know, to this particular to this particular theme. And so, imagine if you were, you know, Jews in the desert. Your tishabav con- consisted of of literally uh, lying down in a in a self dug grave. Uh, th- that's what it would be, right? Um, and you get up the next morning and you'd see who's who's still around and who isn't. So. Um, According to according to the Gemara that we were reading, uh, you know, if you went through that particular, you know, you went through, the, through that whole exercise, um, it's not so much in the, in in discovering that, uh, you know, the there's 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 so much that goes on. The decree is the decree is rescinded. People are not dying anymore, and um, um, but and Moshe Rabbeinu now comes back and receives prophecy from from Hashem. Which uh, he had lost prior, thirty thirty-eight years earlier. Now Moshe Rabbeinu starts to to lead again. Um, so basically, Tubav really marks a kind of a uh, a return of Hashem with in, in a good way, with a, with, a, with hope that um, there's a renewed expression of what we what we call Ashgocha, divine providence, um, that uh, allows Amishal to to rejuvenate, and that's really part of the theme. That the Tuba brings across. So, um, so this is really the, the I think, the theme that uh, Rabbi Khan is highlighting over here. That um, the theme of rejuvenation is something that Tuba uh, should be celebrated for. And so, um, Am Yisrael's power of rejuvenation should be should be seen after each one of these events. So, you know, you know, if you if you if you refocus on the on Am Yisrael after the destruction of the temple, and especially Beitar, 
the revolt was crushed and there was no longer any hope that it would get back to any position of, of sovereignty. So um, in the end of the day, I'm sure I really needed a, some pick-me-up. And there's nothing like a divine inter intervened uh, annulling of some decree against us, which helps us feel that, you know, Hashem's still with us. And so that really is what took place as well. Um, you know, that there's this rejuvenation, life starts again, and especially for those Jews, uh, all those years after the desert is above, but the Beitart is above, um, again, from this depth of destruction and depression will come sort of re, some sort of rebirth. And the same thing is true with, with you know, on a, on, a much, on a much grander scale, when you expand the, the ability for people to get married and marry who they want to, and, uh, and, and the, the, this theme of marriage, which really is at the core of, of, our, uh, of our philosophy, our Weltanschauung, you know, to us, it's, uh, you know, it's one of the most celebrated institutions is that of marriage. It's, it's, a, it's a national phenomenon that we support the concept of, of, of getting married because without that edifice, without that institution, you know, so much is lost and you can't build without, without it. Right? No matter how progressive you want to be, at the end of the day, you'll try to be progressive and find other ways to create society. But within a generation or two, you'll start to see that it, uh, that it undermines itself. Whereas the institution of marriage um, you know, essentially gives the, gives the society. And so this kind of idea where the daughters of Tzlovchad um, or the Shevet Binyamin, where, wherever we can try and somehow motivate um, marriages between us, uh, we do. And so the highlight of these days, the custom develops on Tubav and on Yom Kippur. And uh, it, it, it signifies uh, Am Yisrael rebuilding. So Yom Kippur is almost like a, a counter image to Tisha B'Av, where Tisha B'Av is the height of mourning, and therefore we need the rejuvenation spirit thereafter. And, and Yom Kippur is like the, it's, it's like the, the height of, of atonement. Um, can, be, it can, instead of it becoming a depressing story, the fact that we can clean ourselves out, it's very cathartic, and we, we, we see it as a privilege to be able to go through that. But we also, once we've cleansed ourselves and, and, and divorced for a while, from the physical um, issues of life, to rebuild a marriage out of that is also an amazing opportunity. So Shiduchim that come out of a day of, of celebration like Tubav, you know, where we focus so much on, on, uh, on what's really right in life, and, and Yom Kippur, where we're so pure, you know, that pure motive comes to the fore and it's used to, to generate the rejuvenation of Klal Yisrael on, on, that, on, that, uh, on those particular days. And so there seems to be, um, throughout all the reasons that the Gomorrah has given, this particular thread that um, Amishal return to somewhat normal life after intense periods of, of, uh, of either mourning or, 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 uh, or introspection, and um, the rebuilding, the rejuvenation, the vitality of Klal Israel comes back to, to be. And that's really what... Uh, you know, the, all these incidences, uh, why they took place on Tubav, because there's this kind of a, uh, there's a kind of a beautiful ruach that permeates the day. Now, what's interesting is, is that um, when we now think of that last reason, which is so uh, cryptic about the fact that the wood 
is uh, is not suitable anymore to bring as an offering on uh, to bring as fuel for the mizbeach. So it's interesting that even though it's like it's 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 expressed to us um, in a way that could be interpreted negatively, but um, what what really what really is happening over here is that um, one could suggest that the 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 fact that there's moisture in the air breaking the heat of summer moving towards a more palatable climate um is something which is from a weather point of view also an amazing an amazing kind of um you know relief so uh you know this is this is um you know, this is really what what uh, even though it's it's spoken to us in terms of you can you can no longer bring the, the 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 wood from the trees, the fact that there's moisture there, which now allows the worms to come and and do what they do, and in the ecological cycle of the way Hashem has created the world, that's necessary. The point here is that life is now coming back into into the flora of of uh, of the land of Israel, and therefore that is also another. You know, insistence that there's kind of a rejuvenation in the in the, in the world here, um, and that uh, that we should see uh, even on this level, the Gemara wants to identify uh, rejuvenation, rebuilding. Uh, it's all being facilitated for Am Israel. It's a sign from from Hashem that nature is helping us and encouraging us to 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 uh, to find hope where there wasn't before, uh, to to move from. The position of Tisha B'Av, where we're facing harsh decrees, you know, to transform the morning into prayer for repentance and refinement, which uh, eventually culminates on on Yom Kippur. So, um, so that more or less is a kind of a, a wonderful theory that I was taught by uh, my good friend and Rabbi Rabbi Rayyid Khan on on this particular idea of uh, of of, of Tubav. Um, one last idea I'll share with you. Which um, which is which is interesting. On uh, on 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 uh, Tisha B'av, happens to be particularly this year. Happened to um, happened to have a uh, a discussion. Um, it, it sort of comes up every year actually, but there's almost kind of contradictory themes in Tisha B'av. What I mean by that is that we all know that the that the major theme is is mourning the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash, but then we find certain uh, laws, customs that have evolved um, through time, where we are we do the following. So we come to Shul, and we're told that you know just before Tisha B'av starts, the Mincha erev Tisha B'av, the Mincha before we don't say Tachanun. The prayer of Tachanun normally relates to us the the strict justice of God and our accountability and that can often bring you know it's this it's the serious part of life that we often talk when we say tachanun we omit that on the on era of Tishabav. Uh Tisha is called a moed a, a very significant happy time. Um, but what do you mean we happy time? How can it be a moed? Well because in the future it will become a, a moed. In the future Tishabav Will eventually become a, a day of celebration. In, in other words, this, the the real sad reality of of Tisha B'av was that it was probably the day, going all the way back in time 
to the year 2448 in the desert, if the spies would have come back with a positive report, and Amisha would have heard their enthusiastic embrace of, uh, of, of the land of Israel. So that night of Tisha B'Av would have been a celebration of note. The entire nation would have just, you know, started dancing, you know, around, uh, you know, around, around uh, uh, what's it called, around people, around Moshe Rabbeinu and others and said, let's go up on Aliyah. Let's, you know, we can't wait to go. We're ready to go. Lead us. And that, that day, that date, Tisha B'Av would have been uh, possibly the, 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 the beginning of the last part of the movement, the march, to, to they might have even crossed the border on that, on that next day. So uh, Israel's entry into Israel and uh, Hashem's promise of the miraculous uh, conquest or taking over of, of, of Israel could have happened on that Tisha B'Av originally all those years ago. And instead of uh, Aliyah, it was exile. That's really that's how stark the difference between what could have been and what was in the days of the desert. But it, it means that Tishabav had potential to be this uniquely celebratory day. And so, um, you know, ultimately, Tishabav has deep down within it certain aspects of of potential uh, redemption, um, even though. It's, completely camouflaged and it's completely overtaken by by mourning and tragedy but we taught that on Tisha B'Av every single year the Kabbalists teach us that there's a unique soul that, uh, that, that that comes into the world with the potential to be Mashiach and every generation every 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 Tisha B'Av you know there's a kind of deep down woven within the fabric of tragedy there's this uh, there's this beautiful thread of, of redemption and hope and we just give expression to that by calling it a moed. Even Yirmiyahu, Yirmiyahu, uh, Jeremiah is the one who calls it a calls it a moed. And um, and so therefore, on Tishbab itself, we we as we mourning, we sort of give recognition at the very same time of of that of the recognition that we accept Hashem's uh, judgment as uh, you know as hard as almost impossible it is because the level of of tragedy and casualties is beyond beyond comprehension, but um, we sort of like recognize that Tisha B'av has a certain character in it, and um, and therefore and therefore we tachanun uh, at least in erev and then and then uh, and then uh, you know just this idea that we don't say it is um, you know is an expression of this concept. Anyhow, the point I want to make is is that. Um, if we if we would think that in the old days, um, Tishaba would have been a yontif, Tisha would have been a yontif, and that's what we pray for um, at the end of days. So Tishaba could have been a yontif. Now, in uh, our understanding of yontif, um, when we think of real celebrations of yontif, we have we have two yontifs, two chagim, Pesach and Sukkot, which um, which are unique in the sense Shavuot is similar in a certain way, but these two are, are, are actual. They really go for a week. They would they would be they, you celebrate Pesach the first day of Pesach in Israel is holy in the diaspora the first two days, and then you get the first. So well, let's go Israel. The first day is is kadosh. No work can be done. It's like a proper yontif, 
Then in the last day is also like that. Then it's Cholamoyed in the middle. So, you know, that, that's, that, that's what it looks like. Sukkot, Shemini it all becomes the same. So, appreciate this idea. I saw this idea, you know, in the writings of Rav Sadok Akoyen. He's a great thinker. And um, he says over like this, if this would have been true, that uh, Tisha B'Av in the old days would have been a Yontif. So can you appreciate the following? So the, the ninth of Av would become a Yontif. Uh, and it would have, and it would have uh, uh, how do you say, it would have ushered in a seven-day Yontif similar to Pesach, uh, you know, celebrating freedom, uh, redemption. So it would have had a Yontif on day one, proper yontif, then there would be like a cholamoid, and then a yontif again on on day seven. So, if this if this would have been true, so let's theorize as follows: so Tishabav commemorates the coming of Mashiach. So in the days of of the desert, would have been Shabbat would have been crowned Mashiach on that day of Tishabav, right? Then there's cholamoid. And on the seventh day, if you go seven days from Tishabav, what do you hit? You hit Tubav. And on, on, on Tubav, there would have been permission to rebuild or to build the Beit HaMikdash. So, isn't it an amazing thing that what could have happened, there could have been the most amazing Yontif, would have been Tishabav, Cholamoid, and Tubav. Ninth of Av, Cholamoid, and through to the 15th, the 15th of Av. And um, that's what could have been. Tragically, it wasn't to be so. But this is what we want, this is what we daven for in the first place. So if we think of what happened in the desert, and we, we sort of metaphorically uh, impose it upon the way we look at ourselves today, and we say that, okay, in the desert, it, it, it wasn't to be, unfortunately, and it became a date upon which people went and dug their graves, and they lay down in their graves, and they confronted the worst. Um, but on the last Tisha B'Av, they, they went down to that level of depression, but all of a sudden, everything was forgiven. And they arose on Tisha B'Av, you know, couldn't believe that everyone's alive. And with that spirit of rejuvenation, they then moved towards uh, some sort of, uh, you know, resurrection theme. Because that, it's all, in their minds, they, they, they were sentenced to die. It's like, it's like almost like a Tchiat HaMetim over here. That there's a, you know, and this is exactly what we, what we daven for. So, um, what we really want is that, that we want a sort of a, what we want is of course Baruch to to reenact what potentially could have been in those days. That we've all been through a Tisha B'av now, and uh, we've all survived this Tisha B'av, and all we need now is like this this period of time where the Tchiat Amaitim will take place, and and uh, the Tubav you know, in the future will be that date. And, you know, you never know with this crazy world that Tubav will represent a date upon which if Tisha B'Av in the future becomes a holiday, Tubav in the future will become a date where, wow, not just, uh, you know, rele release from all the, the, the threats of the world, which might happen on Tisha B'Av and all evil is vanquished, but the ability already to have a Cholamoid in preparation for the building of the Beit HaMikdash, which may very well take place in the future on uh, on Tubav. And so this has given us an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to explore, uh, to explore why it is that we have 
such an interesting date uh, or day uh, called uh, Tubav. Um, and and hopefully that it's sort of like it is a little bit weird that we don't make as nearly much of a fuss as we should uh, about about Tubav in our calendar. But if you would go to Shul, there's no Tachanun. Uh, people who, who've been lucky enough to get engaged around this time normally try and have their weddings on Tubav. Uh, you see how much of a of a theme of finding and making shiduchim, you know. So even if you if you wanna if you wanna really celebrate and be thankful on Tubav, you know, number one, you know, if you're blessed with a, a good marriage, you know, use it as an opportunity to uh, between between the husband and wife to to give thanks for that. Um, it's an opportunity to, you know, almost be like a kind of a you know, an anniversary of sorts in that the fact that you celebrate it. And for those who know people who may need a shirach, you know, put a little bit of extra effort into trying to just think outside the box for a moment, you know, about people who need, and maybe you can further the interests of some uh, of somebody by making inquiries. And, you know, it's just, if you just motivate ourselves to do that in Israel, when things were really good, they would have, they would have concerts all over, all over the country. Tubav was a famous day to have, to have concerts and weddings, etc. So it's a day that we look forward to coming up in two days' time. Um, how much we can do over here in in Sydney is a lot more than we can in Melbourne. You know, in, as you know, in these places that are on lockdown, they're not uh, they're not doing too many kazatskas there. So uh, we uh, we're just pretty lucky over here. So maybe go out uh, and have a walk with your with your partner, your spouse, and your uh, and think about these things, but it's a, it's a beautiful energy that, that, that imbibes this day. So uh, anyway, I wish you well, and uh, I hope you enjoy this discussion, and um, see each other, please God, next week, um, if not beforehand. So uh, in good health to everybody, stay safe, stay calm, feel happy. Time now to uh, rejuvenate and rebuild and appreciate a good part of, uh, of, our, of our existence here. Thanks, Rabbi. Okay. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. 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 Thank you.